Uh, good morning. Uh, my name's Roger Lewis, and I'll be uh, speaking about that passage we just heard read, those passages on the theme, as you can see here, partnership in the gospel. I thought I'd start by asking, has anyone here been to Phillip Island? A few people. Anyone here been to the Philippines? Anyone here born in the Philippines? One, thank you. Um, has anyone here been to Philippi? One, two, three? Okay, well, I haven't been to any of those three places, but uh, let me tell you what I know about Philippi. Uh, so it's located in Greece, uh, to the northwest of the island of Thassos, and it was settlers from the island of Thassos who first established a city there uh, as long ago as 359 BC. Well, uh, it was at that time called Crenides, meaning fountains. But shortly after, in uh, 356 BC, uh, it was conquered by Philip II of Macedon. And he renamed it, as one does, after himself, Philip, Philippi. Uh, perhaps it's best known for something that happened uh, a few hundred years later, uh, when Mark Antony and Octavian defeated Brutus and Cassius at the Battle of Philippi. Well, that was in October 42 BC, uh, after the assassination of Julius Caesar a couple of years before. Uh, so there's hundreds of years of history here, and if we go forward about another hundred years uh, to about the middle of the first century, around 50 AD, the Christian missionary, the early Christian missionary Paul of Tarsus, visited uh, Philippi. And uh, the historian Luke reports it this way. He was on the journey. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi a Roman colony and leading city of that district of Macedonia. And there they met a businesswoman called uh, Lydia, and she responded to the uh, gospel message that Paul uh, preached, and that's how Christianity came to Philippi and indeed came to Europe. That was the first um, place in Europe uh, where a Christian church was established. And Paul, in his travels, visited Philippi twice uh, again, and uh, he ended up uh, in prison, and it was from prison that he wrote this uh, letter uh, that we heard read from, uh, which is now preserved in the Bible as uh, the letter to the Philippians or the book of the Philippians. Book of Philippians. And I'll just show you here in case you're not familiar with the Bible. Here's a Bible. And uh, if I turn up to about here, here's where you find the book of Philippians. So it's sort of at the end there. It's not very long. Four pages here I've got there. There it is, the letter to the Philippians. Uh, sorry, there it is, four pages in this 1,200-page uh, version of the Bible I've got here. Uh, and this letter uh, that Paul wrote uh, those thousands of years ago is what we're um, looking at today. And uh, the thread that I want to pick up from the letter is, a, is the theme of partnership. And uh, there are words to do with partnering or sharing or participating uh, that are peppered throughout the letter. And we just heard Paul read the beginning and the end of the, of the letter. And those uh, bookends themselves, if you like, uh, introduce or give us an idea about this theme of, of partnership. So if we could look back, um, it might come up on the screen, the very first, um, first words from the book, uh, it's here, this is a, a letter that's written by Paul and Timothy. So we think of it as Paul's letter, uh, but you can see there Timothy's uh, recognised as a co-author. And then uh, later in chapter 2, uh, we see mention of Epaphroditus, who's described as a brother, a co-worker, 
and a fellow soldier. So here are these words, working together, uh, soldiering together, uh, participating together. And then later on, Clement, and also again the word co-workers, so partners in the gospel. And then later uh, we read about the brothers and sisters who are with Paul. And then uh, we read later on again about all God's people uh, send their greetings especially those who are part of Caesar's household, part of the guard who was uh, part of the prison where Paul was. Um, so you see here, uh, while we might call it Paul's letter, Timothy is named as a co-creator and uh, looking over their shoulders, so to speak, as they wrote, there were other people uh, adding on uh, saying, oh, are you writing to the Philippians? Say hello to me. Or, oh, remember me to this person in Philippi. So it's a company of people uh, who, a company of Christian co-workers, uh, partners who are, uh, are um, sending the letter. So that's who the letter is from, from a partnership of authors. And who is the letter to? Well, it's, uh, it's to a partnership of readers. It's not written to a single person called, you might have thought there's some called Mr. Philippian or, you know, Philip or Philippa. It's written um, to this group of people. So uh, back there you see in verse 1, chapter 1, uh, it's addressed to all God's holy people. Uh, in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers, plural, so there are at least two overseers, I'm not sure how many there are, and the deacons, at least two, two deacons, so there are at least four people there um, who are, are addressed. And uh, later in the letter, a couple of uh, specific uh, women are mentioned, Euodia and Syntyche, seems they're having a bit of a tiff about something, and they're urged here to partner, to be of the same mind in the Lord. So, we don't know exactly how many people uh, were there in the church. I'm looking around here. Maybe there's, you know, 100 people here, let's say. There might have been 100 people in, in the church at Philippi, but there are at least uh, a couple of overseers, a couple of deacons, a couple of women. Uh, you know, there's half a dozen people there to begin with. So the writers are a community of people writing the letter, and the readers are a community of people uh, reading the letter. And... A letter itself is by way of a conversation or a partnership of uh, an interaction uh, between uh, two parties. Now, I've spoken a lot about this and you may think I'm labouring it, but I think this point is lost in our sort of, you know, hashtag me culture. So uh, I think immediately, oh, God is writing to me, Roger. That's what this is all about. Now, I don't want to dismiss that. There is truth in that. And uh, it may well be... God may speak to you directly today through this letter. So if God speaks to you directly, um, pray, praise God uh, for that. But the letter, if you like, in the larger context, it's from God, but via Paul and Timothy with input from others. While I can apply it to myself, the, um, the application is actually to a much larger group, originally to the whole of the church at Philippi, but now it speaks to the whole of the church here in the, in the world today, all around the world, in South Africa, but here in Goulburn, uh, and to, to Christians everywhere, and I think that's why it's preserved in the Bible. Well, as I mentioned, the theme of partnership runs through, uh, through the book, and we heard read about partnership in God's grace, and later uh, there's reference to partnership in the Spirit, and later still a partnership in Christ's suffering. And interesting, those things... The partnership in God's grace, God the Father, partnership in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, partnership in Christ's suffering, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The three persons uh, of the Godhead, as we say, are, are mentioned here that we are in partnership with God in this very full sense. But let me um, 
turn now to three other specific uh, types of partnership that are mentioned in this letter. And first, there's partnership in the gospel. So that's really our theme here, partnership in the gospel. And you see uh, in the opening chapter, the opening few lines that we heard read, uh, Paul saying, Paul and Timothy, they pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. So Paul was a missionary taking out the gospel uh, to others. And among other places he went, he took it to the Philippians. But they in turn now are partnering with Paul in his gospel work. So it's not a one-way relationship or just a, a, you know, Paul doing all the work. It's a two-way, a reciprocal relationship. And it's a partnership in the gospel. And the gospel itself is, is another theme of the letter. And uh, we can look at some of the references to the gospel here. Here we have partnership in the gospel. Uh, later in chapter 1, we see about defending the gospel and then confirming the gospel, advancing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. And then other references are to being worthy of the gospel, faith of the gospel, work of the gospel, cause of the gospel, and then acquaintance with the gospel. So the gospel runs throughout the book and partnership in the gospel, as I said, is our theme. Well, what is the gospel? Uh, it's been put like this. Imagine there's a dog uh, chewing on an old bone. If you try to take that bone away, the dog won't let you put up a fight. But if you offer the dog a juicy steak, uh, the dog will drop the bone in a moment. So that's, uh, that's a gospel. Well, that's a picture of the gospel. The juicy steak is the kingdom of God. And the old bone, that's everything else. The good news is, here is a juicy steak. Drop the bone, sink your teeth into the steak. So this is very much what Jesus said when he burst on the scene. Uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Here is a succulent steak, the kingdom of God. Repent, drop everything else. Believe, get stuck into the kingdom. That is uh, Jesus' statement. God, God is near. God is here. That's good news. Forget everything else. Let's repent. Lock on to God. Believe. Well, that's how Jesus put it. This is how Paul put it in his own life. If we look at chapter 3 uh, from the book of Philippians and verse 7, Paul put it in this way. He said, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. So he had this old bone, but he considers it worthless. And in Paul's case, there was actually a bit of meat on the bone. He had quite a few things to be proud or pleased about in his life, which you can read about. But he says here, whatever they were, they might have seemed to be gains, a bit of meat on the bone, but I now consider them loss. If we look at the next verse, verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss. It's like he's filling in the count book and he's writing down, you know, here's his credits, here's his debits. He's just writing off these debts, writing off these things. They're a loss. I'm not going to put them in the account book. They just don't count for anything. And then if we look then further on in verse 8, I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. He's not lost them like he's misplaced them. He's deliberately put them aside. He's thrown them in the rubbish bin. And the language is actually a bit stronger here in that word for garbage. It's actually not put them in the rubbish bin. He's flushed them down the toilet. That's what he thinks of this other stuff. It's down the drain, in the sewer, it's gone. So that is a picture of repentance from Paul. It's to drop the bone, 
You know, it's to write it off in the accounts, it's to flush it down the toilet, and why? To get something far better. If we go back to verse 7, we'll see the gains, what Paul gains, for whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss, for the sake of Christ. This is what Paul gained. Paul gained Christ. If you look again at the next verse, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, knowing Jesus, having Jesus as his Lord, is of unsurpassing, unsurpassing worth. And then uh, again, that I may gain Christ. And reading on, we see that Paul would be found in Christ and that through faith in Christ, he would get the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So he threw it all away, not just to have nothing, but for the sake of Christ, for something better, for the unsurpassing worth of knowing Christ, gaining Christ and being found in Christ, being made right with God through faith. That's the belief side of the equation. So the repentance and the belief. Righteousness, you see, comes through faith on the basis, uh, through belief. Knowing Christ, gaining Christ, being in Christ, having Christ's righteousness, that is a juicy stake which Paul sank his teeth into on the basis of faith. Paul repented and Paul believed. And if you here today have not thrown away everything other than Christ in order to gain Christ, might I invite you to do it today? You can do it right now. Paul did it. He never looked back. And talking about never looking back, uh, here's another way that Paul described his experience or his journey in, in chapter 3, verse 13. Paul says, he left that behind him, he put it in the bin, forgetting what is behind, leaving that behind, then he strains toward what is ahead. And what's ahead? In the next verse, he presses on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called him heavenward in Christ Jesus. The kingdom of God is near. The prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus, this prize is near as we journey through life. Can you see the finish line? Can you see how close it is, that prize, that goal? Uh, forget what is behind. Put the world and the devil behind you. Leave all that garbage behind. Forget what's behind. Press on. Look to the goal, the heavenly home straight. Trust in God and he, that he will get you there in Christ Jesus. Well, that's the gospel and partnership in the gospel uh, is what um, Philippians uh, is talking about. Partnership between Paul and the Philippians in this great, uh, this great work of God. The second partnership I'll mention is partnership in prayer. And so we see uh, that Paul prays for the Philippians. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. So uh, we can read on about some more the way in which Paul prayed. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And Paul continues to pray uh, in verse 9. This is my prayer, Paul's prayer for the Philippians, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So Paul prays in these very detailed terms for the Philippians. But... Likewise, the Philippians pray for Paul. Uh, if we look at um, verse 18, we see here that Paul is rejoicing. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Why? For I know that through your prayers 
and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, there's a lot on this page on that, in that verse 19, and I just want to consider this for a moment. Um, it's a beautiful three-in-one verse because it mentions God the Father, God's provision. It mentions God the Holy Spirit. God provides the Spirit. It mentions Jesus Christ, God provi provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. All of, of the uh, Godhead, we might say, Father, Spirit, and Son are here involved in the deliverance of Paul. And we might say, Amen, That's of course. But I want to point out something else here. There's something else here mentioned, not just God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As highlighted, the prayers of the Philippians are highlighted there. It is through your prayers that, uh, Paul, that Paul says he's going to be delivered. Through your prayers, um, whatever happened will turn out for my deliverance. Here the Philippians are put there uh, with God, Father, Son, and Spirit as being the means of, of Paul's uh, deliverance. So Paul was delivered because the Philippians prayed and because God acted. Don't underestimate the power of our prayers. So Paul prays for the Philippians. Uh, the Philippians pray for Paul. There's partnership in prayer. Third, there's a partnership in resources. Um, so uh, it was good of you to share in my troubles. This word share uh, is a little word that's sometimes translated um, fellowship or communion or partnership. It's a Greek word koinonia. And scholars point out that while it can have some uh, immaterial aspects, such as I perhaps just those words suggested, it also has an aspect of material and even financial involvement. And we use that word in English in a similar way as well. We might talk of uh, business partners or a, a business partnership, or we might talk about a company, not just a group of people, but a um, a corporation uh, which does business. And so it involves not only common projects, but um, earning money, spending money. And so this material uh, type of partnership or sharing or fellowship uh, is, is uh, highlighted in these verses we'll look at. So there in verse 14, you'll share in my troubles. That might sound like something um, immaterial or spiritual, if you like. But if you look at verse 15, we see then the um, uh, when Paul set out from Macedonia, not one church shared in the matter of giving or receiving. That's resources, monetary, uh, except you only, the Philippians. And in the next verse, 16, uh, we see you sent me more aid when I was in Thessalonica. So again, more material resources being sent from Philippi to Paul. And continuing on, verse 17, uh, the gifts are mentioned there. In verse 18, uh, we see that he was amply supplied uh, from those gifts that we received from Epaphroditus. Uh, and again, it's a partnership, a reciprocity. In verse 19, Paul says, God will meet your needs, the Philippians' needs, uh, because of his riches. So here's a partnership, a practical partnership in um, material resources. Well, uh, what do we do with uh, what we've read from the letter to the Philippians? Let me suggest three uh, concrete things. Um, firstly, read the book of Philippians. Now, um, I was in the barbers yesterday. I thought I'd just go straight in. There was just a kid there who almost all his hair was gone, must be finished. But the barber spent a long time getting a few last hairs. And then I thought his brother had already had a haircut, but then he got in the chair. So anyway, I read the book of Philippians. I timed it. It took me 10 minutes. So you can do that if you're at the barbers today or just anyway. 
read the book of Philippians. You might like to um, read it in your connect group. Uh, maybe it'll take 15 minutes to read it out loud. You could do that. Or just tell your connect group you read the book of Philippians and what you thought about it. We've only dipped into it today. We haven't got the whole story. Um, it's like I dipped into this letter I received the other day. It says, um, like just at the beginning, your electricity supply is planned to be interrupted. I skipped to the end. It says, uh, prior to any power interruption, we recommend you take some basic precautions. So that's all I read. Um, there's probably some other bits that, that um, you know, useful information, but um, I just dipped into it. So perhaps you could read the whole of the book of Philippians and get the whole picture and check that what I'm telling you uh, rings true. Secondly, pray. Paul prayed. The Philippians prayed. We should pray. Uh, you know, Every week uh, we see Carly's name in the newsletter. I've got the newsletter here. And that's great. We pray for you know, people every week as a church. That, that's great. Uh, but uh, perhaps you could pray this week, especially while Carly's here, pray for her personally. Maybe pray for her uh, every day. Uh, we pray for her. Carly prays for us. We bless her. She blesses us. There's a partnership here. Uh, she's encouraging us by having a seminar uh, this afternoon and another one on Thursday. So there's uh, a recipro reciprocity here. So we pray as a church for Kylie, but perhaps you could pray for her um, as an individual, especially this week. That's my second challenge, pray. And thirdly, partner. So we've seen from, the, uh, from Philippians that mission is not something just for Paul. It's not something just for the Philippians. They were partners together in the mission. And partnership has many dimensions, including um, financial. Now, you heard Kylie, and I don't want to give you the wrong impression here. We don't give financially to earn God's favour. It's because we're grateful to God that we give financially. So I'm certainly not telling you go to a loan shark and get some money out at high interest um, to give to God's work. But just the way things are set up here, if you give $100 in the plate, put $100 in the plate, $5 goes to CMS, $5 goes to BCA, so there's $5 there for international mission, you might say, $5 for national mission. It's built into the way St. Nick's runs, that 10% of the offertory goes to mission. So that's already built in in the offertory. So if you put something in the plate now, today, you'll know some of that goes to mission. But maybe uh, because uh, we've got a theme today about CMS, you might think of doing a bit more, digging a bit deeper, um, specifically supporting CMS, which, as we've heard, not only supports Kylie, but, pr but supports other co-mission workers uh, in South Africa. That would be real partnership. So, uh, so three things. Read Philippians, pray for Kylie, give to CMS. Read, pray, give. Well, let me pray now. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen.